Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to week one of the 2018 NFL regular season. I'm Liz Loza and I am joined by Scott Pianowski. Scott, how are you this fine first Sunday of football action? I am great. Um, Like the Cleveland Browns, I am undefeated right now because (laughs) none of my games have been salted away yet. And, uh, you know, some hits, some misses, some really exciting games, some duds, which is like any other fantasy week. I mean, I could call it a weird week, but the NFL every week is kind of weird. But, you know, after that crap sandwich of a Thursday game, which I was just so glad when it was over, it was just fun to be back on a Sunday where there's a lot of games going on at the same time. If one game isn't working, you go to a game that is. Uh, There were some exciting finishes, some really crazy scoring. And it was just fun to have the, to me, the NFL opening day is Sunday. I know they like these Thursday openers, but I think having all the games going at once, you're watching Red Zone, you're watching a bunch of different TVs. That, to me, is the true NFL experience. And it was just really exciting to get it back in in business today. Red Zone. Scott, you're watching all of that live streamed right here on Yahoo Sports, obviously. And also, speaking of Yahoo Sports, A little note about our podcast every Sunday night. Scott and I will be here to recap the slate of Sunday games with our thoughts. We might give you some big takeaways from the weekend, some observations, some mysteries that were uh, brought into focus, some answers that we were able to glean. And then we'll be back on Thursdays with our regular midweek show. So thank you for joining us. Scott, I don't know if our audience, you know, speaking of mysteries, knows this about you, but you are a Scrabble champion, which then would also lead you to be a bit of a wordsmith. Yeah, um, I'm supposed <laughs> to pick a word for the for the week, and um, I'm just going to pick exhilarating, which uh, isn't maybe a, the twenty dollar word that you guys are paying me for. But again, I, I think the, my favorite part of the week is that half hour to forty minutes when the early games all kind of wind up, and you you get like the, the way that Cleveland. Pittsburgh game was today and and the way the Tampa Bay New Orleans game was just all the stuff is coming down the the Colts Bengals game went down to the final drive Um, that to me is the best part of the sporting week when all those games are ending at the same time and you gravitate towards the ones of the best finishes and then they're universally shared at the same time on Twitter with the shared experience and you know people make jokes about Hugh Jackson or, or people can't believe that New Orleans has knocked them out of their elimination pool I thought it was a really fun day. Again, you know, the guys get hurt and some of your guys didn't come through. But I thought for the most part, given that the Thursday opener stunk and given that 
a lot of teams now are preparing differently in the summer. They don't go all out in exhibitions and they practice differently and they hit less and all that. A lot of times the first week can almost feel like an exhibition week. I actually thought the quality of play was higher today than it normally was. So for the most part, yeah, some of my teams did great. Some of them didn't. But for the most part, I thought it was a satisfying opening Sunday. Fun, satisfying. I prefer exhilarating what you opened with. And speaking of exhilarating, I mean, the Bucks and Saints madness. Let's start there with a headline today that I'm sure, or a topic today that I'm sure will be a headline tomorrow. What madness? I mean, does Jameis Winston have a job a month from now? Mike Evans, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, tweeted a video of Mike Evans saying that he hoped people had Ryan Fitzpatrick in fantasy because he had never seen a more complete performance from a quarterback in his career. That's saying a ton. Marshawn Lattimore had issues. The entire Saints defense had issues. The Saints themselves had issues. Mr. Drew breeze now you know we don't want to take we don't want to put too much into week one but what were your um most i don't know surprising observations i suppose from that matchup well the saints were like 10 or 11 point favorites in this game and a lot of people thought they were the best team in the nfc and who knows maybe they'll go on to be that but the the story was that the saints with all the firepower they have on offense finally had a world-class defense and you know, how are the Buccaneers with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, whose you know, arm was never that strong, and now he's near the end of his career, really just a functional backup in most people's minds. How are they ever going to keep up? You know, Saints should be able to name the score here. The Buccaneers may have trouble scoring 20 points or something like that. No, 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 nothing like that. Fitzpatrick, brilliant. The, the ball only hit the turf seven times, 21 out of 28. He throws for four. He runs for another touchdown. I avoided Deshaun Jackson like the plague this summer. Uh, he catches five touch, uh, five passes for 146 and a couple of touchdowns. The touchdowns were long. There's a 58-yard to Jackson. Evans caught a long touchdown. He catches all of his targets. Um, interestingly enough, Fitzpatrick didn't throw to the tight ends in this game, but all the main receivers for Tampa Bay scored, two for Jackson, one for Evans. We saw a touchdown from Chris Godwin, who a lot of people like. So here's the tricky thing to figure out. Two things. One, we just wrong about the Saints defense because again, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And two, is this a good thing or a bad thing for Jameis Winston on the good side? Winston finished last season strongly. He played very well in the preseason. So you might say, look at all these toys in this Tampa Bay offense. They just marched into new Orleans and put up 48 points on him. Emphatically. He's got a bunch of great ascending talents he can use. And maybe, you know, Jackson has something left. Evans is a star. Godwin, a lot of people like, eventually the tight ends will be heard from. I thought Peyton Barber was okay. Not great. This is an offense with a lot of good skill players. So you might think, Oh, you know, Winston could go crazy when he comes back. But if Fitzpatrick is going to play this well for the first few weeks, maybe they have to keep playing him. Now, the thing is, the schedule is not easy. They just played New Orleans. They're going to play Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Chicago in the next three games. So I, I'm not confident that Fitzpatrick is going to keep this going for the next couple of weeks. I don't know what they'll do with the Chicago game if they want to throw Winston to the quote-unquote wolves of you know that Bears defense. But I think you can spin this as a positive or a negative with Winston. The positive being, can't wait to see him play with all these guys. The negative being, well, if Fitzpatrick plays this well for a couple more weeks, maybe it will delay or, or maybe just cancel the the passing of the torch back to Winston. I, I thought there were a couple of good takeaways from this game in addition to what you just said. Uh, number one, the Bucks always play the Saints hard. 
They always play them hard. They're always a bit of a, of a, um, a spoiler team for the Saints. So I thought that mm-hmm. was interesting. I also thought, you know, they added Vinny Curry on defense. He did have a sack today. They added JPP as well. His game was pretty quiet, but the Tampa Bay Bucks defense did make improvements, and they've always looked good on paper but never been able to stay healthy. I think they're doing that one game into 16 this season, so we'll see if they can continue that. As far as Jameis Winston is concerned, what do we know about Ryan Fitzpatrick? We know that he has high highs and low lows, right? In some ways, he's very Nick Foles-esque in terms of the roller coaster ride of him being under center. So when you see, and I think you make an excellent point about the various weapons and talents at his disposal, we know that he can manage under center. And by the way, Chris Godwin, you know, that's a player that I was hyping all summer. He is owned in just 30% of Yahoo Fantasy League, someone you might want to scoop up. But I do think that Jameis Winston is going to get his game. He's going to get his job back. I'm not sure if he's going to get paid by the end of the season, what he's expecting to get paid. But I think if you did, if you're in a super flex league or you stashed Winston Mm -hmm. hoping for a post week four breakout, you are going to have something there. I agree. And I want to, I want to make one point about Winston. I am not generally somebody who stashes players, especially in leagues where the bench space is limited in the uh, big noise invitational that Brad ran last week that you and I were both in, I actually have Winston on my bench. That's generally not something I do, but I thought just the pieces here were so good and he looks so good in the preseason. You want to be careful with what you take away from the preseason, but I thought Winston had breakout potential and I was willing to wait on him, even at a position where, you know, quarterback's so deep, right? I mean, why, why am I going to wait on a quarterback? Now that league is a super flex league, but I decided, you know, screw it. I think Winston has a high upside And one thing I'm really excited about with these two teams, and, you know, it's only one game. We'll see where it goes. But if either one of these defenses ends up being bad, I think people think Tampa Bay's defense might be bad anyway. We'll see if the Saints get it together. They still have a lot of talent on defense. That's the best friend to an offense. Mm -hmm. You love it when you have an offense that can move the ball and a defense that can't stop anything. That was certainly the case today. And and just a a hat tip to the the Saints. Uh, Michael Thomas set a record for 16 catches um, on 17 targets, which is amazing. Alvin Kamara was in oh, the end zone five he times. So he scored good. the touchdowns, two, two conversion runs. That guy, if I were a Mark Ingram owner, I know Kamara didn't have the greatest rushing totals, but I'd be like, oh, man, that's the last I wanted to see is Kamara, like, beasting the whole day because I don't think it's going to be a 1-1A one one when Ingram comes back. I think it's going to be like the Alvin Kamara show and Ingram will get sprinkled in where he gets sprinkled in. But I'm hoping one of these defenses, if not both of them, end up collapsing because then I want to see – this is the way the Saints used to play, where every game was first team to 40 wins. You know, I would like to see a lot more of that football in this division. Every team has a good quarterback. I know Ryan didn't look like it on Thursday. But I think this NFC South may be a really fun division this year, and we may see a lot more games, maybe not 48-40 – but we might see a lot of 35-30 type of football in that division. I dig it. One last observation. Cam Meredith was inactive for this one. Ted Ginn uh, caught five of six for 68 and a touch. Now, obviously, he's a boomer bust player, but he is only owned in 16% of Yahoo League. So if you're looking to add some depth at wide receiver, especially while Meredith is still coming back from an injury, Ginn might be someone to target. And as Scott just pointed out, the Saints certainly have a, a loaded offense that maybe you want a piece of. Let's move on to James Conner running in the stead of Le'Veon Bell. It's obviously been a giant headline and 
Connor did not disappoint. Carried the ball 31 times. 31 times. That is a number that Le'Veon Bell does not want to see because uh, Le'Veon Bell doesn't want to carry the ball 31 times, right? He wants to get paid next year, so he wants to save his body for this year. But anyway, Connor, the second-year player, 31 totes for 135 yards, two scores, also caught five of six for another 19 yards receiving. All Bell tweeted was the emoji monocle, right? The little emoji face with the monocle going, hmm, I think that was more about the tie. So the question is, if you're Le'Veon Bell, do you win this game rather than end in a tie? And the other side of that is, do you need to pay Le'Veon Bell when you've got a tiny Terminator here? I think the Steelers have already decided that this was going to be the last Le'Veon Bell season no matter what. And they've proven, I think, in this there's something that Bill James, the baseball statistician, came up with I don't know, 20 years ago called signature significance, which is that normally we want large samples to prove that something is true. But when somebody does something so emphatic, like throws a no-hitter and strikes out 15 batters or something, that's such a rare event that we almost have to take a small sample as indicative of what a larger sample would mean because it's so bombastic what, what just happened. I think – Connor having 192 total yards, two touchdowns. He did fumble once, but what I really like is the 135 on the ground came with a long of 22, which means he was successful on most of his runs. A lot of four-yard, eight-yard, seven-yard runs, that type of thing. Look, sometimes people just break off long runs, and, and people say, oh, well, if you took out that 80-yard run, it wasn't that great of a day. And you know, I think that's kind of a, a trashy way to look at running backs sometimes. But preferably, I'd like to have as high a success rate as possible and I thought Connor was terrific. I thought he was outstanding. And this offense, really, I mean, Roethlisberger, four sacks, three interceptions. He didn't play well. I thought the Steelers did everything they could to lose this game. And then the Browns kind of did everything they could to lose it other than play well at the very end of it. But Connor was the third-round pick. This is not somebody they signed off the street. This was not somebody who they went to because they had no other options. They had hopes when they drafted him. For whatever reason, he didn't pick up the game very quickly last year. They were saying all summer, this guy's really improved. They'd even talked about him having a role, even if Bell was you know, back with the team. I think Connor's legit. If I knew, if, if Bell just decided to walk the earth and retired and I was redrafting tomorrow, I think he's like a second or third round pick. I think he's that good. And even when Bell eventually comes back, I don't know what he's going to do. If I were him, I'd report tomorrow, those game checks, what, 900K or, or so, he's forfeiting every week. I think even when Bell reports to this team, and I really don't know when it's going to be. I wish I did. I think Connor's going to get like 30 to 35% of the work. I think the days of Bell getting run into the ground are over in well, Pittsburgh. And that's interesting, right? Because if Le'Veon Bell is ostensibly holding out to save his body, he won't need to save his body if he's in a timeshare with James Connor. And Connor certainly worked his way into this rotation. Quickly, Scott, next year, I'm sorry, next week, Pittsburgh will host the Kansas City Chiefs. James Conner, and this is just a loose rank, are where are you ranking him where in your top 15? I'm assuming 15 is an easy. Yeah, he's an RB1. Yeah. Now, he's the if you have him you're starting him. Um now granted a lot of people may have, you know, drafted him in the last round, picked him up on waivers, you know, that type of thing. So he may you may have added him to a team that already has great running backs, but I don't want to field any any James Conner questions. We we know Kansas City, albeit they won today, their defense is weak. And I think Conner is like a lock to go over 100 total yards next week and score. That's like my baseline for him. And with the chances that maybe score more than once. And you'll get Pittsburgh at home where Roethlisberger generally plays better. So that's just better for the entire offense. 
I think the Steelers will bounce back next week. Interesting. One of the, you know, Pittsburgh could easily be 0-2 if they don't beat Kansas City, but we know they're a better team at home. I, Connor, I don't have a lot of them. I wish I did. I played him in DFS, but I mean, I felt like, you know, half Everybody the room. Yeah, he didn't really get an advantage. He was like 11 bucks in Yahoo. He's going to go up next week. But I think, again, my biggest emphatic statement on Connor is I think he's going to have fantasy value even after Bell returns. I think he's that good. I dig it. Um, another running back who is breaking out in his second season, Joe Mixon looked money. Now, I have been – you talk about Le'Veon Bell. To me, Joe Mixon has looked like Le'Veon Light all summer. I think he has that kind of potential – Everyone likes to talk about his patience, his vision, but to me, what the difference is, is his ability as a pass catcher. He converted, I believe, 30 out of 34 through the air last year. He did. Uh, he converted 5 of 7 for 54 yards via the air today, on top of the 17 carries for 95 yards and a touch with the YPC of 5.6. I know we say that YPC is a noisy, to quote Dalton Del Don stat, but still, the, he looked money to me. Sure, he's not going to get the Colts every week, but certainly looked like an improved player who was finding all of the holes that that revamped Bengals offensive line was creating. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about Mixon is the upcoming schedule, Baltimore, Carolina, and Atlanta. That could be a little bit dicey. But it's funny you mentioned Le'Veon Bell with him because the common thread with these guys is they both came into their second season a lot lighter and a lot more prepared for what the NFL and what the pro game were like. I, I remember watching Bell's rookie year and thinking, nah, he's just a guy. And then he lost a bunch of weight, and he was more serious his second year, and he blew up. He turned into a star, and I, I did not see that coming, and I got flattened for having no Le'Veon Bell that year, very little. And Mixon was kind of the same guy. I was I was kind of ruining that today on Twitter that, you know, a lot of times when I had to face a Mixon or somebody else uh, pick this year, I was picking the other guy. Now, you know, sometimes it was Tyree Kill, and that's great. But I think Mixon's he sure looked like a league winner today, like a guy who if you got him in the third round, you did great. If you got him in the second round, you felt justified. And look at this offense. We'll see how, you know, guys stay healthy. I mean, you never know how long Tyler Eifert's going to play. But all of a sudden, you see Mixon in better shape. You see the offensive line bulked up. You see A.J. Green on the field. We saw uh, John Ross only caught one pass, but it was a touchdown. He looked like a different player this summer. All of a sudden, this Bengals offense, this Bengals team looks like a possible playoff team to me. Andy Dalton didn't go through the roof with the stats, but a couple of touchdowns, rating over 100. I thought he played well today, and I think this team will play better. Uh, again, the offensive line improved. Mixon, better shape. Right now, everybody's healthy. They're going to get something from Ross. Green is still, uh, every time he's on the field, the defense has to account for him. I think the Bengals are going to have one of the quietly, like a top 10, maybe like even a top five, top six offense. And maybe people are sleeping on that right now. Yeah, I just want to make sure we hit some other injuries, unfortunately. Delaney sure. Walker, who has been an Ironman at the tight end position, broke either his leg or his ankle. It didn't look good, and it didn't look like he would be back anytime soon. He was actually on my bus list heading into this season. I you, Behind him, you've got Johnny Smith, who's a second-year tight end. He's owned in just 1% of Yahoo leagues, and he is a guy who interestingly comped coming out of the draft process to Delaney Walker, and Walker was um, mentoring and bringing along. Now, he didn't do much. I think he caught one of three targets, but 
I actually thought the whole Titans offense looked really out of sync. And I said this on Fantasy Football Live this morning. It's a lot to expect Marcus Mariota to improve his mechanics and learn a new playbook all in the same summer. So while LaFleur may be an offensive mind coming from a brilliant tree that's produced Shanahan and McVay, evolution takes time. So who will be the recipient of the targets that are now vacated by Walker remains to be seen, but my money is on Smith eventually. You know, I like Smith and I'd probably be more bullish on Smith, except that Marcus Mariota left this game with an elbow injury. It was such a strange game with Miami and Tennessee with the weather delays. It felt like that game took like nine hours to play, but Mariota played very poorly when he was on the field. Then he leaves with an elbow. Nobody wants to see Blaine Gabbert play for an extended period of time. So I, I like Smith. I, again, interesting comp to, to Walker. And when Smith was active late in that game, the announcers were talking about how Walker thinks that Smith is going to be a player in this league for like 10, 12 years. I mean, he's got the teammate endorsement. The tight end, I'd be curious to pick up. And this is so strange because I had no interest. I had no real knowledge of Will Disley a, a few weeks ago. But um, he goes over 100, gets a touchdown for the Seahawks. And on a day where Doug Baldwin plays a limited game, and there's so many things going wrong with, with Seattle right now in their offense. Their offensive line is a joke. Disley actually is a great blocker, and that's why he's on the Seahawks primarily. Only had 21 catches his senior year in college. I think he only had 25, period, for UW, although he had pretty good efficiency last year. But, man, he was making splash plays all over the field in Denver. If I needed a tight end, if I lost Walker, this is a guy I'd be kicking the tires on. I like that mention. He's owned in just 1% of leagues. And I think the other thing, you know, everyone's going to say, well, Jimmy Graham left and he put up 10 touchdowns last year and that's plug and play analysis. But I think the other thing we have to consider is Paul Richardson also left and Brandon Marshall needs PI to, you know, he can't separate. So you know that if he catches something, there's probably going to be a PI call on it. So, uh, you know, there's what red zone weapons does Russell Wilson have here? Tyler Lockett is not does not have a big red zone profile. So I think that, you know, Disley will be a um, inconsistent player for the reasons you mentioned about his blocking, because as much as you might love Solari and DJ Fluker, I don't think their line is going to exactly be an iron curtain. So, you know, Disley's going to have to get in there and block some, but he is going to be a large red zone weapon that Russell Wilson can safely sling it to from 20 yards out. Is the catch with tight ends. I always say I don't want my tight end taking out the trash because I want him running a pass route. And that offensive line is going to force, you know, Disley, who's already considered a great blocker, into into a lot of that. Interesting that Wilson does get the three touchdowns today and they go to Disley, they go to Lockett, and they go to Marshall. I, I thought Marshall was pretty much done, but he, he does get in the end zone. Lockett, not a huge game, but he gets 15 yards and a touchdown. I'm really worried this might be a lost season for Doug Baldwin. That, that makes me very nervous. And if Baldwin's hurt, Man, I know Wilson has done it with mirrors before, but I think this might be the first season where at the end of the year we look back. And again, you know, he threw three touchdowns today. He took six sacks. I don't know how he's going to stay alive doing that. A couple of turnovers, one of them in the last play of the game. But I think this is the first year that people are going to look back at the end of the year and say, you know what? I'm sorry I drafted Russell Wilson. Mm, that's a bold prediction. I love Wilson. Man, I love him. He's one of my favorite players. But no Baldwin. I think this offense is in trouble. But Disley is is interesting to me. And I, I know there's a lot of other tight ends. I mean, 
Watson had four catches for the Saints today. He's a million years old. But, you know, I guess he's some guys are just going to be effective until the day they retire. I guess Ben Watson is one of those guys. I do think Jonas Smith should be on the watch list. I'm more interested if Mariota checks out fine. We don't have that information yet. But, you know, the NFL guys get hurt every week and there's tons of turnover. And it, it's always amazing how before a week starts, I look at the free agent wire and I'm like, wow, I don't want any of these guys. And then. <laughs> You know, it's like a refertilizing lawn. The grass grows back, and you're like, oh, wow, I got a bid on these six guys, and you know, this week would be no different. I mean, is that how you felt about TJ Yeldon? Because he's only owned in 14% of leagues, and we have to mention his name because Leonard Fournette left mm. Sunday's action, this morning's action, with a hamstring injury early. Now, you know, we talked earlier about Mixon and Le'Veon Bell being the players who, in their second years, they slimmed down, uh, they got back to brass tacks, if you will. Leonard Fournette had that appeal heading into the season. I was taking him, frankly, I'll admit it, I don't have no problem being honest about it. I was taking him ahead of Zeke Elliott. I thought he had a monster season ahead of him. Now, can a hamstring injury be something that completely derails your season no but <laughs> soft tissue issues certainly can as well and Yeldon is more interesting you know he's not going to play to size you know he'll probably fumble at the goal line but you also know that the volume is going to be there enough and if you're a Fournette owner this is someone that you're going to put a claim in for well I think a lot of people are going to put a claim in for him because if Fournette is out for any extended period of time the setup is so good here the defense is great the offense wants to win by controlling the ball. They don't want Bortles to have a big say in games. Even though Yeldon's in his fourth season, he's still just 24, came to the league at a young age, turns 25 next month. Good player, can catch the ball, scored a touchdown today. And anybody who's going to be the primary ball carrier, ball handler on a team is interesting. And the thing with Fournette that always made me worried is he's hurt his entire year, his career at LSU every season, including one major injury. Only played 13 games last year, which I guess probably par for a running back. They get hit so many times. But on the injury predictor website said that he was the most likely running back to have to miss a chunk of the season this year. They thought he was the number one guy to avoid. I don't want to sound like I'm taking any joy in somebody getting hurt. I'd, I'd like to see Leonard Fournette play football. I mean, it's just you know, he's a fun player and he's a physical player. And, you know, I thought he got better as the season went along last year. But Yeldon, to me, is the number one priority. He's the guy, if you lost Fournette, you get to go get him. But the problem is everybody else is going to try to go get him too. And I, I guess part of the takeaway here is that what we have to do, I talked about how the waiver wire always looks bad right before the week starts. But next week we have to look and see, okay, what backup running back is interesting if a starter goes down? Is Austin Eckler worth getting? Uh, we saw Lindsey made some plays for the Broncos today, who yeah, I guess ostensibly behind Freeman, but you know that could be a, a, a fluid situation. What running back is one injury or one hit away from a starter to becoming an interesting fantasy player? And maybe Yeldon was that guy. He was 13% owned. So some people were either handcuffing Fournette or just hoping that maybe something could happen in Fournette. So we constantly ask ourselves, you know, who is that guy who's one hit away? In the meantime, I expect Yeldon for the next three days will be the most added player in Yahoo leagues and with, with just reason. How much of a fab budget would you spend on him? I know it's going to sound like a flimsy answer. It would really depend on how desperate I was at running back. Because what I'm always trying to do is get in cheaply. I, I would be more interested in trying to get the next Yeldon than to pay up for the expected. Like we saw in the Stopa League, right? Uh, when Alfred Morris was ostensibly promoted to the San Francisco starter, he went for somebody's entire fab budget. And now, you know, Morris had a mediocre game first day, fumbles twice, loses one. I mean, you know, who's to say he might not even have value in a couple of weeks? 
I don't like to pay. I think somebody's going to pay more than half of their fab money on Yeldon I, if Fournette is ruled out. And I really don't want to be that guy. So I yeah. would probably bid on a hundred dollar budget, fifteen or twenty bucks. And if I didn't get them, I didn't get them. I was just going to say I wouldn't. I wouldn't bid over twenty. So yeah, I so think we're on the big, same page there. Let's go to a couple of uh, Twitter questions, people who added us, if you will. Uh, this one's from at Allo underscore love. Is Deshaun Watson going to be the in- this indecisive the whole season? Should I put in Matt Stafford instead? Uh, I think you and I are both going to say yes to the second half of that question. But what about the first? I don't know if Watson was indecisive so much as unprotected. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't trust the offensive line. They really missed Wolf Fuller today. Now, the good news is, assuming you have a bunch of bench space to do this, is that you have Stafford as the high floor guy and you have Watson as the exciting upside guy. So you can keep playing Stafford going forward. And then if Watson seems to be cranking it up, you can um, you know, flip back maybe or just play the matchups. But right now, I would view Stafford as my starter and I would wait until Watson gave me a good sign that he was back in business. I agree there. Um, what about, you know, you are the Pats fan group in New England. At Bruin, Brian wants to know, Chris Hogan went missing. Can Brady find him? I started Chris Hogan, and ooh, did it hurt today. Yeah, I had a lot of Hogan shares, too. Drafted him aggressively, played him aggressively. I even think I had some DFS shares, one catch on five targets. But Tom Brady, his favorite receiver is usually the open guy. You know, Dorsett's going to get some give some love. And, you know, James White caught a touchdown today. Gronk's obviously great, but... This is I think this is more of a variance thing. I would I like Chris Hogan just as much or almost as much next week as I did this week. I'm not going to back off him for one poor game. Receivers are going to have games like this. I I agree. Let's quickly do a buying or selling as an ad. I just want to go through a couple of names. Yes or no. Dante Pettis owned in one percent of leagues buying or selling on him. If Goodwin's hurt uh, extended period of time, he had a quad injury today. I would be in on Pettis. I like uh, the upcoming schedule, Detroit, Kansas City. We talked about it as a great matchup, and they need receivers in San Francisco. I like that he was handpicked by Kyle Shanahan, too. Austin Eckler, you talked about him briefly, 16% owned. Is he a guy that you're buying or selling, especially given the theory of uh, next man up and investing ahead of the curve? Yes, and he got more snaps and touches today than I expected. So maybe instead of it being completely the Melvin Gordon show, perhaps Eckler can sneak into standalone value or flex value, especially when the bye weeks come in. I think he's an excellent target for your bench or maybe as your final starter in a deeper league. Dig it. 100% on board with you there. Philip Dorsett, he was pretty efficient today, owned in just 3% of leagues. I agree that it's going to be much more of a um, variance here, but he does seem to he does seem to have earned his way into the Tom Brady circle of trust, which is saying something. I like that. And also the Belichick circle of trust. He praised Dorsett as being a really smart receiver who could play every different receiver position, slot, X and Y, former first-round pick. I know he didn't do a lot with the Patriots last year, but maybe the light bulb is going on. I think he's going to be useful. Again, more of a maybe 12 or 14-team league pickup in the 8 or 10-team leagues. You can let Dorsett go, and we'll see what happens when Edelman comes back. But the only thing I don't like about Dorsett is they have the uh, the Jacksonville game coming up, so that's, that's a little bit dicey. But I think Dorsett is going to be a part of this Patriots offense. They don't have a very deep receiver tree, so I think he needs to play. Scott Pianowski, I find you exhilarating. 
<laughs> right back at you, Liz. Thank you. This was an exhilarating week one. Lots of ups, lots of downs. We will be back on Thursday to preview week two's action. Please join us. You can uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast. And while you're there, give us a nice five-star rating and a pleasant review. And if you don't feel like doing that, then just don't say anything at all, please. Yeah, also- love, us, love us like Mike Evans loves uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's love us like Scott McD- like Sean. Sean McDermott loves Nathan Peterman irrationally and forcefully. Please. They're going on 16. I don't see a win for them. I really don't. <laughs> Looked horrible. But anyways, uh, don't forget to spread a, spread the word on social. Follow the Yahoo Fantasy handle at Yahoo Fantasy. You can follow me, Liz Loza, at Liz Loza underscore FF. Scott Pianowski at Scott underscore Pianowski. Thanks so much, Win Big. Talk to you later. Bye.